You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. And my name is Rob. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it very much. Hopefully going to bring you some value, answer some questions. And if you've got a question, go to askdroneyou.com. We want to hear from you. As always, the show is about you and for you. So please let us know what's on your mind. Definitely let us know what's on your mind. Askdroneyou.com. I am loving this summer and loving everything politically with drones is kind of happening right in front of our eyes right now. And um, I will say I was at a private event this last week, Rob, you know, um, up in the northwest part of the world and seeing some new drones and some new remotes that came out. And it was so funny because the entire kind of conference was started in this hangar, which was really cool. And, um, you know, the, the literally not after the first introduction, here's what we're going to show you today. You know, we made a remote ID compliant remote for domestic NDAA, uh, you know, drones and whatnot. And then the joke was, but we don't think we're going to need it because we don't know if remote ID is actually going to come out on time. It seems like it's going to be delayed. And so that theme keeps coming up over and over again. So this is I, what we're hearing from multiple people. Yeah, I'm we're going to we'll, not from the FAA. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, with the FAA, I could see them just not say anything on September 16th. And everyone's kind of wondering, like, what's going on. But I would... Really? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised by any action or any lack of action. Yeah. I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just saying that, like, I wouldn't be... I'm not saying you're being negative. I'm just saying that would be lame. Well, and I think the way that they handle this is going to potentially have an impact on how many people listen and comply. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, if something is not at the forefront of your mind, if, you know what I mean? Like, you have to gather attention, and if people are just kind of like, yeah, whatever, and you delay it, then when you finally come out with it, people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, ham radio licenses. So, I think there is that risk, put it that way. Yeah, or CB radios, not ham radios, excuse me, yeah, CB yeah, radios. Yeah. So, anyway, well, let's get into today's question. Um, by the way, we did finally drop our experience training. So if you want to join us in colorful Colorado for a lovely drone retreat that you will never forget as you are surrounded by nature's beauty at every turn. If you want real world flight exercises over the course of seven days, five days of training, two days of actually flying in a competition like environment to practice the skills that you've learned. You are actually going to put together videos. You're going to edit them. You're going to shoot them. We're going to be focusing a lot on those videos, editing, photo editing, but also doing it at scale. Lastly, we will also be working on ortho mosaic construction but instead of the last experience training where we focused on that kind of like a lot we're going to focus that on on that very little doing a lot more little mini trips and adventures to go gather footage in cool unique places and really make it an experience that you will never forget if you want to join us for that we just opened up signups for the experience training check it out experience.thedroneu.com there are only seven spots available so check it out experience.thedroneu.com and i'll see you there my name is eric ward i work for a company that provides communication systems for first responders i created a department within our company that main focus is surveying rf towers to plan equipment deployments verify proper installation of the equipment 
and create accurate tower maps for the customers to better maintain their systems. We primarily use PIX4D inspect software for this task, but there are other vendors that support it as well. We have many drone manufacturers in our fleet, but primarily use the DJI Mavic 3 Enterprise because of the global shutter and RTK capabilities. My question is, how important is ground control points in tower mapping surveys? Is it needed at all? My focus is less on the accuracy of where the tower is on the earth, but more on the positional accuracy of the equipment installed on the tower. We recently invested in RTK mobile stations to increase the positional accuracy of the drone during the flight. Our hope is this will transfer to a higher, more accurate survey. As a drone new member and regular listener to the podcast, I look forward to hearing your insight on this task. Hmm. Thank you, Eric. Really appreciate the question. Uh, sounds like a beautiful use of drones going on there. It sounds like because uh, well, there's obviously a lot of inspecting going on of, of cell towers. It sounds like they're going kind of another level with with 3D models and mapping them on a, on a regular basis. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like what some of our clients are doing right now as far as indexing all these towers. You know, when you look at you go to T-Mobile, you go to Sprint and you look at the coverage map of like, what can I really expect to get coverage wise? Right. You know, knowing what we know now about the cell tower industry, I, I those maps are nothing but guesses, in my opinion, because it's only just this year and last year that these cell tower companies are really indexing, meaning they're creating a map of all their towers and what antennas are actually on those towers right now. And we're seeing the aggregation, like almost like a Zillow, right? Of all all the infrastructure of these towers. You'd think mm -hmm. it'd all be in one place, but it, it's really not. As far as our caller is concerned, first of all, thank you for your question. If you have a question, ask DroneU.com. Um, I think it's a good question because honestly, how many times have we talked about 3D models, you don't need GCPs, right? Right. You know, the relative accuracy is there. The You know, you don't really need the GCPs for absolute accuracy. But we recently just did an updated cell tower course, which is uh, now available to members. You got to check it out. One of our newest courses that we produced uh, kind of end of last year, beginning of this year. And in that course, this course was actually developed um, for people who are going to go work for large-scale drone service providers, meaning they're, they they want to get these scalable jobs. In fact, um, Brandon here in Fort Collins, we just gave him the big region up here to get cell towers done. And most of those companies, without naming names, utilize arrow points, and they throw four or five arrow points down on the ground around the tower just to have reference for accuracy as a whole. But they also throw up some sort of scale constraint to have a vertical scale constraint. In the class, I believe it was like two by four by eights or two by eight by eights. So that, that could be marked in any given program to have a much better relative accuracy of the antennas that are being reconstructed. Because oftentimes, you know, uh, and I think that this is a podcast in itself, and I would love it if someone would ask this question, but what, how can we bridge the gap between drone pilots and data processors? Because many times they're not one in the same especially in these more corporate environments, you see people that go out and fly and you see people that go out and process and they constantly blame each other for why certain data is not working. And I think I in every situation that I've seen this in, there's a lot of information that the data processors don't know and there's a lot of information that the pilots don't know and those wires getting crossed is just causing failure. Mm -hmm. So I would love it if someone would, would chime in on that one. But with that being said, oftentimes these drone pilots are not 
processing the data. And when these cell tower inspectors, auditors, whatever you want to call them, whatever nomenclature we want to give them, they are ultimately looking sometimes at the size of these antennas to determine, okay, is this a 733 megahertz antenna? Is this a 5G antenna? Is this a LTE antenna? They can typically tell by the size. Not only can they tell by the size of the antenna what sort of frequency or band it's on, but they can also tell the power or the, the, the gain on the antenna for how much actual power that it's putting out. And so, you know, having that relative accuracy is important, but when you have those scale constraints, because GCPs are not really going to help you too much on your vertical accuracy. Think about it. You're not going to be able to throw a GCP on the top of the cell tower. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> Although I would thoroughly enjoy watching someone do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so they have these scale constraints that they put in various places just to make sure that their images are, in fact, scaled to the real world. And we've also seen... And this is only with one particular program. It is not with Pix4D, but this is the benefit of using Bentley, uh, Consilience, um, which I still, I need to reach out to them and get in there. Um, Consilience and Optelos. With Bentley as your background engine, you can take oblique shots at a 45 degree angle and really negate the need for that multiple level orbit. I mean, obviously you're going to be doing multiple level of orbits, but instead of doing like, say, 20 orbits to the top of the tower, you could do three or four. Mm. Um, oh, wow. And so that really eliminates the need for a lot of acquisition, but that only works on certain photogrammetric engines. Pix4D, unfortunately, is not there yet. This is where other companies are surpassing Pix4D because they've been using machine learning and AI of saying what data sets work with what type of structures, how can we make this work better? This is where you have to mm. give drone deploy some credit because they've been doing this now that I know of for at least five years. So, oh, wow. So yeah. they're way ahead then. Oh, yeah. They're, they're pretty far ahead. So, and you know, there's a lot of, it's, in, it's interesting how the photogrammetry space is maturing and you're seeing a lot more focus on data acquisition science and what drones are being able to fly for that acquisition. But you're also seeing an evolution in what photos are needed for processing, who's doing processing. And just like we saw with that software out of South America, mm -hmm. there's a gap to be filled now in yep. affordable processing because honestly, you know, things like drone deploy may work in the United States, but in other countries, it's just so overpriced. Same with Pix4D. This is not to call out. This is not to call out drone deploy. In fact, there's a lot of new features in drone deploy that you don't see anywhere else. It's really cool. So, you know, this goes back to what we've been saying for a long time, especially in the mapping class, is that the software that you need is really deliverable dependent. And when it comes to indexing lots of towers, well, you can't do that with Pix4D, um, but you can do it with Optelos. You know, so. In all honesty, they do very well with Optelos. Extremely well, and they're doing a lot with engine learner, AI, and in engine learning and all. Was that machine learning? Machine learning, <laughs> engine learning, <laughs> engine learning. Hey, if I it, like makes, it. it makes my turbo spin faster. I'm for it. So, <laughs> uh. do I get a pass because it's Monday? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hundred. And we got a cool new sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you call deflection. Yeah. Seriously. Anyways, in all seriousness, Optelis has been working on that for a while as well. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And in all honesty, um, I cell towers. It's really okay. We're in this really interesting time, Rob. You know this infrastructure bill that's come out that's essentially paving the way to index 
all of our industrial assets from communications to power to roads. Goes well beyond cell towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so why are we seeing a pullback in certain companies not flying cell towers? And I only say this because, uh, you know, there's a lot of drone jobs out there and we're seeing more in power line utilities, less in cell towers. And when I mean less, I'm talking like 5%. It's really a marginal difference. It's not that much. But what doesn't make sense to me is with this infrastructure bill and all this money flowing to index these assets, to understand these assets, to expand and grow these assets, it makes you wonder why, and there's two companies in particular, they are decreasing the need. It's not even of drone pilots, it's of their construction crews, you know, for cell towers. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, cell towers in terms of infrastructure are probably one of the newer assets out there. Yeah. When you think about whatever, bridges and, and, and utility infrastructure and so forth, those are all going to be relatively quite a bit older Yeah, than the cell tower infrastructure. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, it is a good point. So you go back and you start indexing those instead. And I think also maybe, and this is all speculation, I've not talked to anybody, but in terms of getting paid to inspect cell tower, cell towers, I mean... It, it seems as though there are some pockets of really strong opportunity to for that to be very financially viable. But there are other pockets where surprisingly it's not like there's the people that are paying for the inspections, whether it be the company or the or the owner leaser of the tower or whatever. They don't seem to want to pay a lot. Right. True. Is that I mean, is that an accurate assessment? That they're not super profitable necessarily all the time for pilots? Uh, you know, I think that this is a very interesting point that I talked about with someone just last week as far as like how there were certain companies and certain people that really uh, dicked around with drone pilots and really tried to go out and say, hey, we're going to give you 50,000 towers. And so they negotiated a price at, say, three or $400 a tower. And then, you know, that company took it down to, say, a thousand towers and they still expect the same price point. And the company's like, no, 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 no. That was a volume discount. There's no way that we can do all these towers that you're talking about for that low of a price point. So I think we've seen the industry mature a little bit. I mean, I know pilots on Guidewire towers are making like $900 a tower versus a monopole or self-support structure of like, you know, 300 to about 450, 500. So I think if you're in with the right company and, and this is, this is also making a lot of assumptions. And this is something again, that I was talking about with one of our clients that a lot of people, a lot of drone pilots are guilty of saying that they can fly cell towers, but they've never done it with a drone that can't fly a point of interest mission. They've never flown orbits manually. They are not used to actually being on the road all day long. You know, I had a, a client who was like, I literally had a drone pilot show up in a damn Prius to go 25 miles down a dirt road. He goes, do you think the Prius made it down the dirt road? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, it didn't. Well, maybe he got left back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not going to repeat that really messed up climate joke. But uh, long story short is he didn't help the climate when he had to get his Prius pulled out of that road. So um, that said, you know, that we're making a lot of assumptions because drone pilots like, hey, I want these jobs. Well, do you have your mobile kit? Are you utilizing a four wheel drive vehicle? You know, do you actually have backup drones? Do you have enough batteries and a way to charge them in the field? Uh, you know, are you prepared? This is something that struck me. One of our clients that we're about to sign a deal with was like, 
I really don't understand how drone pilots want all these drone jobs and they want to be out in nature, but they don't understand that sometimes it can be kind of lonely. And I'm like, I love that. I love the loneliness. And I also love it because I can listen to books and I can listen to podcasts and I can grow exponentially in those environments. Yeah. And so I really struggle with people who are like, I'm lonely. It's like, well, you're bored and that's only on you. And honestly, these drone jobs, I always found them fun. It's just different strokes, man. Yeah. Right? Some you one man's treasure is another man's junk. That is so true. That you is know, a thing. I literally said different strokes for different folks when I was getting my hair cut last week at uh, Sports Clips. And she's like, yeah, like BDSM. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I was like, too much, too much, too much. Wow. <laughs> I was like, let's back the bus all the way up. <laughs> so, back just let me off the bus. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm glad this haircut's ending really soon. <laughs> Leave there with half a haircut. Yes, yeah, <laughs> anyway, um, so that said, we're making a lot of assumptions on drone pilots that you guys know how to do these jobs. We cover all these things in our brand new cell tower course. So to simply answer this question, uh, for most of these drone jobbing companies, yes, you do need some sort of um, GPS. The important thing here is that oftentimes when you're doing these cell tower jobs, it's going to be next to impossible for a small DSP to go work with a crown castle, to go work with an American tower um, and go get these jobs. You're better off working for an aggregator because you're going to get more scalable work. All you have to do is focus on flying. The pay rates have matured significantly. So we've hit that race to the bottom and coming back up a reversion of the mean. And so we are seeing pay rates go up, but you need to be prepared. You can't, you can't just say, hey, I'm ready to go fly some stuff and be, you know, rolling around in your Corolla. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've seen some beefed up Corollas. I was going to say, if it's lifted on 22s, maybe. (laughs) 22s. (laughs) I don't mean 22 inch rims either. (laughs) That's what it sounded like. I mean, 20, on the Corolla. Well, you like on with a, spinners. You, you know, on an SUV, you're like, oh, I got 35 inch tires, right? You know, well, I don't think you're gonna fit a 35 on a Corolla. So, oh man, uh, just, the, the new Corolla. What are the the fancy Corollas? Um, like the race ready Corollas. You've seen those, right? Uh huh. Yeah, those are pretty sweet. But you're probably not gonna be taking them on sale tower <laughs> inspection. Different strokes for different folks. I'll oh, take. Man. You'll take what? I'll take EcoBoost for four-wheel drive all day long. I mean, with the price of cars, they've actually come down a lot. But I'm just saying that something that I feel like we didn't, we never talk about is what are reasonable expectations to be prepared for these jobs? We've talked about it maybe in 17, 18, but it's been a while. And you guys, you need to be prepared for these jobs too. In fact, there's a reason a lot of these clients have been coming to us. It's because most of their successful pilots have been graduates of Drone U, which is phenomenal that we're coming to a point in time in the market where people are like, holy cow, there's a lot of people out there that do drone training, but very few that actually have a long-term exportable known deliverable of what to expect with a drone pilot. So that makes me super grateful, Rob. And it makes me super grateful. We keep getting these questions in, we keep helping people, but you've got to be prepared too. So long-winded statement for that. There you have it. Yeah, hopefully that's helpful. So what what's the answer on GCPs? <laughs> um, no? Well, the answer is, is that oftentimes, and I thank you for rewinding this, oftentimes, if you are working for an aggregator, you're going to have to work within their system. So I know our caller is like, I went out and I bought, you know, GPS units and whatnot. That may be great, 
But if you don't work in their system, they may not use it. That's they use arrow points for a reason. It's plug and play. So. But he, but he's in a different paradigm. He's not. He's doing it for public safety. Remember, he said he's working on setting up systems. They work in the equipment that is used for communications for first responders. So he's in a different realm. He's not. That's in yeah. I'm I. The point is, he's not concerned about aggregators. They're doing their own thing for this other company. But I guess you could say then he could it depends on what that company needs. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, my more important thing was to say is that if you work in a certain realm, a certain environment, they may have a set system. Right. And so their a system is to figure out these towers and make sure that the equipment that they're putting on them is done accurately and that they have a, 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 a good assessment of what's already on there, that that's done accurately, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does he need GCPs for that? I think the answer is yes. Um, I would check out our new cell tower inspection course where you can see how those GCPs are used. It is very specific in how that they're used. And not only is it very specific, but um, it's very different from traditional uh, mapping workflows mm. and whatnot. Mm. But I would still say, even though he's doing this public safety thing, is he if he's working for any tower company, the big five are all using the same workflow, I just found out, which also is all arrow points. I didn't get the sense he's working for any tower company. Yeah, yeah. Um, but But maybe I misunderstood. Well, no, I think it's a good question, which brings up an important point that, I mean, you could have someone like American Tower have their way and their system of aggregating and collecting data. And then if you've got a public safety system trying to utilize American Tower's data, you could cross your wires just in using different GPS means, methods. Think about it. GPS is written like 10 different ways. GPS information. Try like pulling something from Google and putting it somewhere else. It's surprisingly difficult. So I bring this up to say like that small nuance though can inhibit your capacity to get scalable jobs. That was the point I was trying to bring up. So Well, he works for the company. But yeah, so we're kind of talking to two different audiences now in terms of answering the question of the caller versus how most people are going to use drone use educational system, right? Yeah. So I would still tell I just want to make that clear. Yeah, and I would still tell him check out the class to see how GCPs oh, sure. are used there. Totally. Um, I think it'd be very good for him. Yeah, 100%. And he's a drone you member, so you may have Easy already peasy. been through it and seen it. But if he had, then he might know the answer to the question, I assume, that, that the answer to the he question should. is in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know Lorenz was very, very thorough. He was, but there's not a lot of processing in there. So you would have to... Because he doesn't do processing. Correct. And most pilots don't. Correct. Yeah. Right. But you could take the cell tower course and then go over to mapping and then you would know how to process. That's the beauty of membership, beauty of the library of courses, True. is that you can pair the information together and be more valuable than most people, which is what people want. So on that bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, before we go, the absolute bombshell is a happy birthday to Mr. Rob Burdick. Happy oh, birthday, buddy. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. By the time this is released, because Mahesh is behind. It's probably going to be two weeks removed. But nonetheless, thank you. My birthday is tomorrow as of recording. Well, you can say I birthday month. I am turning 23. Hey, you know what they say? Uh, you know what Blink-182 says about 23, right? No. Nobody likes you when you're 23. Really? Yeah. I'm turning 24. <laughs> anyway, on that bombshell, happy birthday, Rob. Thank you Send very much. Send him a happy birthday one way or another. He's he's a, he's the salt of the earth. I'm grateful for you, Rob. I hope you have a great Thank you. birthday year, birthday month. And Let's keep rocking this place and helping people. Amen. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks again for joining another episode of Ask Drone You. 
We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.